If you've invested in your business, chances are you've funded future growth potential through leverage and after filling out loan applications and undergoing credit checks. In the stock market, using debt is often called gearing. The new BetaShares Wealth Builder Funds, ASX ticker symbols G200 and GHHF, offer moderate gearing across Australian and global shares for investors who are comfortable with the higher risks associated with gearing their investments. You can discover how they work by visiting betashares.com.au. Please don't forget that gearing magnifies gains and losses, so read the relevant PDS and TMD on the website and consider if the fund is right for you. BetaShares Capital Limited is the issuer. Welcome to the Australian Business Podcast. I'm Daniel Golubev. I'm Jordan Kittis. I'm Owen Rask. We're here to help you make more profit, find work-life balance, save time, capital, and grow your business. Every week, we drop the best tax tips, marketing hacks, growth strategies, and methods to help you grow. If you haven't already, take the free Rask Business Course. Book a chat with me or Daniel at Grayspace. Or get in contact with us about business coaching. We also love hearing from you. So send us your questions and feedback using the resources found in the podcast player for each episode. Let's get into it. Daniel, welcome to this episode of the Australian Business Podcast. Thanks, Owen. Happy to be here. Always a pleasure, mate. Always a pleasure to talk in business, especially when we get to have a bit of fun with these types of episodes. Uh, we've bragged, uh, shouted from the, the rooftops uh, in 2023. We've, uh, we've got about 10,000 unique listeners that now tune in to the Australian Business Podcast. So um, there's you and I, and then the 9,998 that come for Jordan, <laughs> who's not with us today. Um, but thank you to everyone that supported us in 2023. We're going to use this episode as a bit of an opportunity to reflect on some of the lessons learned from 2023. So some of the things that came across our desk, Jordan has sent his in, even though he's just here with us in spirit, uh, he has sent his in. Um, so we'll give a shout out to him as we go through. Uh, and then in the next episode coming up in a couple of days time, this coming Sunday, you will get the 24 things uh, to do or to action for your business in 2024. So a bit of a play on words and play on numbers, 23 things to review from this year and 24 things to look forward to in the new year is the next episode. So these two episodes will go back to back. Um, if you you know, if you want to listen and you like this one, listen to the next one. And if you've been listening to the Australian Business Podcast, why not do us a favor and subscribe? That would be amazing. Um, speaking of subscribe, I just noticed this before we're talking off air. This has nothing to do with the podcast that we're about to do. But you guys have got like a lot of Google reviews really quickly. Yeah. So after more or less every engagement, we send an email um, with a confirmation and a link to a Google review every single huh. time. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. That's good. Good process. Like it. Helps people find you on Google. Surfaces your, uh, it's good for SEO and all those types of things. Absolutely. That was um, the goal. That was the goal yeah. when we sort of created that process. We Google Grayspace Advisory now and so much comes up, including a nice big photo of yourself. Yeah, I've um, seen that. No, I don't like yeah. to Google myself. I remember, <laughs> I remember in primary school, everyone would just Google their name, hoping something will come up. Yeah. Um, now it's pretty crazy a lot comes up <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, only more to come i'm sure mate so um maybe we go i go you go uh for this we've got 23 things we'll spend about a minute to a minute and a half on each guys so uh don't sweat we're not going to be here for hours uh, if you do want to follow up with us you can just tweet us or just say g'day leave a comment in the youtube video uh, or just say hello you can send us an email there's always links in every single episode of the Australian Business Podcast. We record twice a week, episodes going live 
with experts and with us. Um, but so you can get in contact if you do want to follow up on anything. All right, mate, do you want to go first? Yeah, um, I thought I'd had a – you actually tested me. When you sent through the agenda for this one, I was like, oh, God, I can't remember what I did last week <laughs> throughout the year and the learnings. But the first one I took on was I think it's important as business owners, we play the opportunity game and there's constant opportunities that are sort of placed in front of us. So taking mm-hmm. advantage of opportunities that come your way is one of the key learnings I had. Um, I've sort of used this, a bit of a boring example, but I know it sort of applied to quite a few people is during a period of time, especially COVID, the temporary write-off for large equipment was around, which is the incident mm-hmm. that write-off that was, you know, commonly sort of quoted. Can I tell you, I was surprised with how many people contacted me in July and August still wanting to do, to claim that, even though it was very well advertised it was ending 30 June. Um, As in people didn't know that you could, the unlimited, basically unlimited ended. instant depreciation. No, it ended, yeah. So there, I bought a you know, $110,000 excavator and I was like, well, all right, we've got to claim it over a period of time and they were not happy. So I think that was one of the key moments where being a bit naive and sort of just focusing on other things and not really understanding the opportunity at present because it is a large opportunity to claim a very big expense in one year's depreciation. Um, I think that cost probably that person or, or people that are affected short term probably tens of thousands of dollars. So I think mm. it's important to take advantage of opportunities that come your way, not just sit right. on it. I've got to admit, like I've learned a lot from you and Jordan this year in terms of like tax structuring um, and making the most of those opportunities. I, I mean, I can credit maybe Queenie, but also Jordan with buying the Tesla. Like that was clearly the only reason that I ended up getting that was because Jordan um, made me do it. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> because, uh, because it made so much sense mm. with the instant asset write-off, the electric vehicle subsidy, with the, the kind of like the no fringe benefits tax. That was just unbelievable. Yeah. And you see things like that, like when there's like, we don't call them loopholes. They're not really loopholes. It's just no. it's what it is. There are opportunities. That's what it is. And that's just like the tax example. But there are so many other things that sometimes you've just got to recognize. Like I don't want to bring up Warren Buffett too much because we're talking about business and not investing. But, um, you know, a lot of people talk about him as this amazing investor and business person. But a lot of his deals, he often remarks that he makes a decision within a couple of hours, like billion-dollar decisions, because he's kind of ready to go when a good deal. He knows how to spot one. And so, love it, mate. Good way to start. So, my number one is um, basically just knowing your customer avatar or customer profile. A lot of people don't truly know who their customer is. And I mean this in a genuine way. Like a lot of people believe or think they know what their, who their customer is. But the reason that they think that is because they have a preconceived idea of what their business strategy is going to be, who they're going to be selling to. What I realized this year is that it will shift. Your customer profile will shift a lot. I'm going to give you an example. So when we launched some courses earlier, or we launched them last year, uh, and we made them with like graphics and primary colors, and it was heaps of fun and whatever. Um, but we did a survey this year which revealed the average age of a RASC podcast listener is 49. And when we did the surveys in those courses themselves, we expected people in their 20s to use them because that's who we were designing them for. Mm. And they ended up to be mainly all of them were in their 40s and 50s. And that was like a really stark reminder of getting the feedback, which is another one of my things in a moment. Mm. But like you don't know who your customer is unless you actually just go in with a blank canvas and 
find out. And um, customer avatar for people that don't know that have just tuned into the Australian Business Podcast, we talk about it a lot. A customer avatar or customer profile is basically you building the picture of who your customer profile is, like what are the different groups, who are they, you imagine them in your head, what do they like, dislike, how old are they, what's their name, etc. And you usually build one of those with your team around you. Cool, man. That's number, number yeah, one. I agree. I think it's super important. I think you really see businesses that have an idea of who their ideal customers are and who don't. And then especially in the mm-hmm. service game, you sort of end up getting stuck with all these vampires that keep sort of draining you. <laughs> <laughs> I've never called them vampires, but that would make so much sense. Yeah, not, we, we call them vampires in the service game where they just drain the life out of you. Well, I like it. I like it, mate. All right, your number two. Yeah, my number two is might be slightly controversial for a few people, but I don't really care. Traditional is not always best. I think especially in the service model, I think using, you know, just word of mouth referrals and sort of old school networking, um, although it's very effective from a conversion perspective and it is a very, you know, um, effective tool in terms of lead generation, but this day and age I don't think it should be your only tool. I think Mm. traditional is not always best. I think constantly evolving and being an innovator in your field is really, really important, whether it's new softwares, whether it's um, different staffing uh, structures, whether it's um, for an accounting firm, for example, employing a sales team. It's like an account, a traditional firm has never had a sales team. It's only been on mm. word of mouth referrals. So I think don't always stick to traditional, change it up a little bit and see if you can pivot your way into almost a new industry. I like it. Um I like it so much. It's interesting because sometimes new is good and sometimes new is great. Sometimes new isn't great. Um, it's important to have that balance, isn't it? Like, uh, well, it's important like to have those you- KPIs that you're going to be tracking. It's like when do we draw the line? When is it successful? When is it not successful? It's knowing the difference between your outcomes. Yeah, true. I remember when uh, TikTok came along during COVID, half the people were naysayers and half of the people just got in there and used it and see what happened. And they've got hundreds of thousands of people that follow their brands and businesses now because they did it and they gave it a crack. Um, Even though everyone else was kind of shunning it at the time. And um, sometimes the new thing is the thing that you should be paying attention to. And I think the best brands that that survive do that. Um, Cool. Like it. Number two for me is feedback, feedback, feedback. Relating to point number one that I had, knowing who your customer is, you, I'm, this is not. This was not an interesting uh, loop back in or thread back into the Google reviews thing at the top. But um, getting Google reviews is actually a really simple way to do it. Like if you give someone a space to give you honest feedback, um, sometimes Google reviews can be a bit forced, like the app, Apple App Store reviews kind of thing. But um, if you just give someone a space to give you honest feedback, it will make you a better business person and a better business as a result because you could be getting things wrong. Obviously, you'll have people that give you feedback that are often critical, but just capture it. Capture their feedback, whether it's uh, through SurveyMonkey, Google Forms, uh, whether it's just face-to-face, you're speaking to customers as they walk out of your shop. Um, The key thing is don't interpret what they've said. Just get the feedback and listen. Uh, Write it down if you need to. I'm still surprised how many businesses don't actually ask their customers for feedback on the things that they want uh, and it's such an easy thing to do. Yeah, uh, the, the little comment I've gotten to that point is it's the fastest way to figure out your own pain points. There's probably pain points in your own business mm. that you're not even aware of that you don't even know that need actioning. And it could be as simple as everything was great, it would just took too long. So like, yeah. there's, a, there's an issue with the process. Where can I, you know, improve to sort of reduce the processing time? 
But what can mm. I do to reduce delivery time? So if it's a time-based, you know, that's an issue. You know, if it's a service-based, oh, you know, I wasn't happy with customer service. How do I improve customer service? So I think it is the quickest way to actually figure out what your pain points are to elevate your business to the next part. It's interesting because, like, this is, like, a similar thing. Like, it's like pain points is one thing, but it also helps you to drop the baggage, um, <laughs> which I'm sure we'll get to in a moment. But, yeah, I mean, we realized that I realized this year by getting feedback that over 90% of our audience only invest their money at the RAS group for retirement. Mm-hmm. And that would explain why they're older, which we got before. Um, and it just means that in 2024, I'm going to recalibrate basically everything that we do to focus more so on that. Um, and I think it takes a lot of, I guess, you need to be bold in the decisions that you make on that information. You need to make sure it's the right data you're acting on. But once you do, do it with confidence. Cool. Number three, mate. Cool. I've got small business is not a monopoly. Your success is not contingent on your competition failing. Actually, this stemmed from a conversation I had with um, with someone and it was a new person who has never been in business before, very educated, um, and said a comment of so-and-so, which would have been their main competitor, I'm going to put them out of business. And I sort of sat back and I was like, I don't agree with that at all, actually, because especially in the game that we play, I don't think it's, I think there's such a big um, market Mm. for everyone to sort of succeed in, especially in Australia, especially in the businesses that we're referring to. I don't think your competitors need to fail in order for you to succeed. I actually think competitors can work together to actually increase the quality and the customer experience of certain industries. And I think you can elevate everything if you were to sort of just like bounce off each other. Competition is healthy. So that was my sort of thing is focus on yourself. I think the key takeaway from that is that don't focus too much on your competition. Focus on yourself and elevate you and how to help your customers get the most out of you. I always found that so fascinating, right? Like when businesses start up, they're always like, oh, yeah, um, you know, uh, someone will ask a question like, how are you different from X, Y, and Z? How are you, you know, different from this person? How are you going to beat them? And I've always thought about this as a different way. I've always thought like the moment you look at your competition is the moment you take your eyes off what um, your customer wants and needs. Now, of course, I say that you need that in moderation, right? Mm. I agree with you completely like, the world is big enough for hundreds, maybe not hundreds, but tens of thousands of accounting accountants, right? Of course. Just just like financial advisors, investment advisors like RAS Group or even like coaches or uh, marketers, yeah. bakers. There's so much to do. And as long as you just keep serving your customers and you keep delighting them, um, everything will take care of itself. I've got number three, which is pretty topical, something that we learned this year and it was really popularized this year is the – explosion in the use of large language models and AI in particular, like the, the generally speaking, using AIs for productivity. So if you're a Microsoft user, for example, I think you can trial out Copilot. Copilot is an example of an AI tool that now allows you to create like PowerPoint slides in like a matter of seconds. So you might say to Copilot, create like 10 slides talking about um, the fundamentals of uh, marketing it creates 10 slides you got a template bang done it proofs it and edit it edits it as you're working yeah. that costs you a bit more but why wouldn't you use it um yeah we, we, and- we implemented fireflies um into our sort of software stack which is an ai tool for transcribing and creating a summary that might take us 20 30 minutes after each um meeting to do so we've got notes 
This is completely <laughs> taking that away from us, which is hours throughout the year. I was wondering what that thing was that yeah. was in the meeting with us before, but yeah. um, makes sense. Um, I thought it was just like Jordan um, with a different, I don't know, the robot phone. <laughs> um, but yeah, so these types of tools, like you might as well embrace them because they're going to be here and they're here to stay. Like a lot of businesses, again, comes back to this inability to embrace change. Sometimes change is a wonderful thing for your business. Like if if everyone else is thinking, hey, we're not going to adopt this thing because because of X, Y, and Z, and you're the one that adopts it, well, it may actually be your competitive strength to do that. Cool. I agree. All right, number four. <clears throat> I think it's stressing the importance of goal setting and strategy. I think it's sort of a, a brief comment, but so we, we deal with businesses every single day. And can I tell you, you can see a very clear difference between the business owners that have a goal and strategy in place, even if it's not executed or um you know, presented perfectly versus the businesses that don't even focus on it. Mm-hmm. The results on year-to-year performance are not even comparable. And I think yeah, it, bring, right. it brings it into my little thing is having a plan, a plan, just a plan, doesn't even have to be the best plan, is far better than waiting for the perfect plan. Yeah. The perfect plan doesn't yeah. exist for any business. No one knows. There's no one right formula. There's no one right way to do anything. So have a plan and pivot on that plan because it's not going to be right from the start. It's all about having yeah. that journey on, having a little bit of that guidance and then making decisions along the way. But mm. I think I can't stress enough how important it is to just simply goal set. What's it like perfection is the um, – what is it? Per- perfection is the enemy of traction or mm. something like that. Um, you know, just getting started is the thing that brings you confidence and the thing that you see in front of you today is not the thing that you see in the, in front of you in the future. There was a great, um, I met a guy and I think you may have met him, um, Raul from yes. the Gold Coast event yes. that we did. We and he had, yeah, he, um, really entrepreneurial guy up on the Gold Coast. Uh, wonderful to meet him this year when we we're on the road. He, um, he's like, has that test, doesn't he? That he said that if, if you look back on the first thing that you do for your business and you don't cringe, it means you waited too long. Yeah. So if, if you're thinking about starting a business, if you're on the fence and you're wondering, am I going to look like a fool for doing this? Well, yeah, probably. But that's the sign that you've, you're starting at the right time. So yeah. I, I can look back and think that too. It's a great one, mate. I really enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Um, this one's more of like a just a silly little one, but just be aware of privacy and cybersecurity in uh, the coming I guess, years, uh, because this year in 2023, we've seen dozens of different hacks and high-profile cybersecurity incidents. Uh, we've seen a rise of a dramatic rise in cyber insurance, assurance, sorry, and um, basically some professions uh, force you to have a privacy policy. Some professions force you to have cyber insurance. I know finance is one of those things where if you're found to be negligent with people's information, that's a big, big problem, not just for you know, you're going to pay them out or something like this if you go to court. But also, you can lose your license to operate if you don't protect that information. So um, just be aware of what you need in your business. Get help if you need it. Speak to a business insurance broker for cyber cyber insurance uh, policies. They'll help you. Simple. Cool. Next. I've got um, the importance of personal health being a business owner and Hmm. clarity and efficiency because for us it's – I'm sure every business owner would wish there was, you know, 48 hours every single day um, to work and I think we'd still manage to work 40 of those. Um, (laughs) So having the capability to work 
the equivalent of a 40-hour day within a normal, call it eight or 10-hour day that we usually do, I think is really, really important. And the only way to do that is to make sure your mind is clear, it's efficient, and it's good to go. So it's as simple as having your exercise, good eating, sleeping well, which I've got no idea about, to be honest, as a new father. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it, it's definitely on my hit list of how important it is because it's probably an, an area that I forgot about this year, call it, mm. just with the business growth, having a little one, managing family and business life. And if you want the number one thing on my to-do list on 2024, it's focus on putting in, you know, a process to focus on my own personal health because I can, you can even feel, I can feel when you're operating at 100% versus 60%. And your yep. results and your business will show that as well. Yep. Love it. Um, I will then jump to my next one, which is um, journaling your thoughts. So um, journaling your thoughts is not about like people. I remember when I was introduced to the idea of journaling and I was like, that's some like wishy-washy kind of, you know, psychic stuff. It doesn't really apply to me. But um, my psych said to me that actually journaling is quite interesting in what it does and if you have the list, so he said, um, imagine that every day, just as you're jumping into bed, a doctor comes into the room in their white gown and they come up to you with a clipboard and they say, okay, what did you do today and what are you going to do tomorrow? You do that, you put it down on the piece of paper, the doctor walks out of the room. And basically what you do by doing that is every night when you practice this idea of just journaling your thoughts down or at the end of the day, um, what you're doing is effectively you're clearing your mind and you're putting it on the paper. Another counselor said to me once before that it's kind of like if you don't find a way to separate today and tomorrow, all the issues of today will just pile up tomorrow and then they'll pile up the following day and then eventually you reach burnout. And um, my original con thought about what journaling is, like you have a structure, there's a really nice journal, there's a good-looking pen, you, you write down all the things and the – no doesn't matter you just put chicken scratches down however they come to you it could be one sentence it could be one word it could be a dot point but you just want to get into the habit of doing it and i think it's a wonderful thing and that's one of the best tips i have for maintaining your mental health while you're running a business related great. to your point great great my next one i think it's something i took from um chris williamson who runs the mm -hmm. runs his modern wisdom i think it's called his podcast mm -hmm. um, and i thought it was really really good so and uh, I'm paraphrasing. This is not a direct quote. It's along the line. <laughs> it's along the lines of being brave is not having the confidence to do something. It's being scared and doing it anyway. And I think that's really important, especially for business owners that are on their own that don't have mm. uh, a business partner, that don't have key people and key positions to help them make really tough decisions. Um, yeah. So definitely, it's okay to be scared, and it's okay to have your concerns about certain decisions especially if you've sort of done your little risk and reward um, sort of mental calculations, call them. Um, and it could be as simple as, you know, hiring that first key personnel who's obviously going to take a majority um, clip of your budget, call it, of your OPEX um, or your cost of sales, whatever sort of it falls into. But it's probably going to be short-term a very big financial burden that could potentially have almost un unknown sort of rewards and benefits and you don't know what that's going to bring for you but it is scary taking on that first hire it's going to be weird to be on the hierarchy at the top but on a financial point of view at the bottom of the business um totally 
But it's it's again brings it back to it's okay to be scared and it shouldn't be the reason why you don't do something. Yeah, I like it. Um, one of the things we're going to talk about a lot more in 2024 is this idea of coaching, um, which definitely my coach helped me overcome things around like, and this is my tip, by the way, this is my next one, um, <laughs> just in case anyone yeah. was concerned, <laughs> or keep, keeping a mental record. Um, so my coach helped me overcome a lot of those things like where I had to make decisions, where I had to kind of compartmentalize, well, maybe I don't want that person in my life. Maybe this customer is too much. Maybe that partner is not the right fit. Like where I was always too scared to make those decisions because it was like I hadn't fully thought it out and I didn't have someone to bounce the ideas off being a solopreneur. Um, and so getting that person, you you don't have to have a co-founder. You can just go and pay someone that is knowledgeable and can prompt you in the right way. And that's where a coach helped me. My coach was not a business coach. My coach was a life coach and she's brilliant. Um, but she knew enough about coaching that she could help me beyond just what I was doing in my personal life and how they interplay with my business. So I fully across that, what you're saying, like being brave um, is about kind of building the conviction in the unknown. And that's how I did it with the use of a coach. So love it. All right, right, mate. Next. Okay. Controversial one, I think. Um, With employees, make the tough decisions. Don't wait around for things to get better. Mm. Um, If anyone that's read the the book Traction, you know, obviously big, um, advocates for it, but there's a there's a parrot, there's I think a paragraph or a chapter in there that talks about having the right people in the right seats, and I think it's really crucial to know what your employees are there to do, what their outcomes need to be, and who like you having like that ideal sort of customer avatar, almost having an ideal customer employee avatar as well, someone that has the same beliefs as you, that believes what they're selling, that believes what they're doing is sort of what they want to do as well. The last thing you want to do is have someone that's just coming along to get by, I suppose, probably the easiest easiest way to do it. So it's a very common phrase, but high, slow, fire, fast. Um, And I think it's a lesson. And it's a lesson I think a lot of business owners learn the hard way. Oh, absolutely, mate. Someone, like everyone listening to this that hasn't been through this yet, it's like, there's everyone that has been through it and everyone that's about to go through it. I yeah. think those are the two camps of people. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, like if we could accelerate you towards a better business, it would be to make the decision quickly. Just And if you aren't, uh, speak to someone, like speak to that coach or speak to your accountant or speak to your whoever uh, to get a second opinion. Now, this is one from Jordan. He gave us the value of persistence. And just so happens, that as I was um, – just before I was on the toilet, full disclosure, and I was reading this book, um, as a good uh, business owner would do, fit it in. Um, so this book, Black Belt, people will know that listen to the Australian Business Podcast. We had the two authors of this who are the co-founders of Judo Bank, one of Australia's unicorns, meaning that they were a billion-dollar company before they became public. Um, so it was one of only four companies. And they have this quote that comes from former president, former U.S. president, Calvin Coolidge, summarized uh, the idea of persistence perfectly when he said, quote, Nothing in the world can take the place of persistence. Talent will not. Nothing is more common than unsuccessful men with talent. Genius will not. Unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. Education will not. The world is full of educated derelicts. Persistence and determination alone are omnipotent. The slogan, press on, has solved and will always solve the problems of the human race. End quote. So basically, anyone will know this that's been in business is the idea of like, 
get trying to be smarter than other people, trying to, you know, plan things more. It's it's really about just getting in the trenches and doing it. And um, listening to a Tim Ferriss podcast recently reminded me of this idea that most of the people that you hear, um, like most of the criticism that you get from people like online or through your business is from people who don't do it, like as in they don't do the thing. You know, they're not the ones, quote unquote, in the arena. They're the ones that are on the sidelines telling everyone how it should be done and have never done it themselves. Because when you do a business, I know that, you, and you know this, you just have so much respect for people that have done it and are doing it and are giving it a crack because we know how bloody hard it is. And persistence is the only thing that really gets you through. So that's from Jordan. Um, thanks for that, George. Love it. I've got focus on things that have the biggest impact first. All right, especially when you're in business, I'm sure everyone's got a list of things that they need to do to fix their business um they got a whole bunch of problems and not a lot of time to fix it right so my my tip is work on the ones that have the biggest impact first right the ones that have the largest and make your way down that list i think that also sort of goes into your point about journaling and how important it is to actually put it down onto paper it almost makes it real right um the concerns you can actually action things and tick things off and get that satisfaction but don't focus on the little stuff. Focus on the big stuff first and make your way down the list. It'll make your, make your life far easier. Yep. Like it. another one from Jordan, um, which was related to this, which was it's okay to make mistakes um, and to spend money on things that don't work. Like I think we've all been there where we've spent money on something. We're like, oh, yeah, we'll use that all the time. Such a great idea. And then we don't use it at all. Um, the, the point is that, you don't make those bets on things that you are unsure of. You don't make them the biggest bets in your business. You make them the business bets that you can recover from. Like you've thought about, you know, the downside, you know, the upside. And if the downsides should pan out, well, it's not going to kill your business. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be, that's from Jordan. And that's a great one. I like it. Um, right. Back to you, mate. Yeah. I've got another, all mine now are going to be Jordan's um, regurgitations. Okay. Um, it's put away the shiny object syndrome. And what that means for people that don't sort of really know is that when you're in business, there's a lot of things that can pop up. It's not like you're doing a a straight course where you know exactly what the next steps are. There's things that constantly pop up, little, call them teasers or shiny objects that might distract you from your goals, that might distract you from your strategies, that might distract you from your day-to-days. And the key there is, again, building into that persistence where you need to just shut it out. Mm. shut it out they're taking opportunities and sort of not um you can definitely entertain these opportunities or shiny objects but be very clear how they fit into your strategy and your goals yeah when we had nick crocker on the show earlier this year Mm -hmm. which is one of the most popular episodes of all time he talks about like as you get better at business you get better at saying no like in the early days you have to say yes to everything uh, and everyone knows that but as you get bigger, you have to say no more often, and that's um, so important. I think every business hits that crossroad. It's, again, like the tough conversation with employees. I think there's, again, the, the people in business that have had to do it already, and then there's other people that are going to have to do it as well. Yeah. You don't have an option. Absolutely. Um, one of the things that I always do with meetings nowadays, this is a new thing that I discovered in 2023, uh, is um, – this idea of like when you have a meeting with one of those people who you're not sure what the outcome or their incentive is, you you preempt the meeting so you have notes and things that you want to talk about in the meeting set in advance. So when you get into it, it's actually like 
these are the things we're covering. It's not just a meandering conversation where there's no outcome because those things, those shiny object kind of like, we could do this for you or this is how we're going to solve that problem or maybe we could work together. They just don't work. Yeah. Um, very low return on effort. Okay. Um, everything that could be, everything that can be automated should be automated. Uh, and this is a kind of a bit of a software question. Um, the, the old phrase of venture capital in California is like software is eating the world. Well, it kind of is, mm-hmm. um, but there are limits to that. Some things shouldn't be automated and some things there's never going to be a software solution for. But the idea is that if there's a process in your business that you can automate, you should do it. Um, And I can't say that more firmly because it will save you money. It costs time up front to do it, but it's worth it. Uh, I'll give you uh, a quick uh, tip on this though. Like we've been doing automation since 2017, pardon me, in our business in all different ways. You can use Zapier, you can do it yourself, you can whatever, basically every productivity tool has automation these days. But the thing is to keep it simple because as your business scales, if you have like an onboarding workflow that's taking like four months to put together, that's great. It might work well for the first year, but what happens in year two, you got to update it again. Year three, is it out of date? Like you want to make sure you want to build things that are simple. So simple automations work. Like they really do. So focus on that. Um, Automate as much as you can within that kind of confine. Yeah, great. Okay, your next one. Divide and conquer, splitting the <laughs> business up to make faster progress. We do that, Jordan and I. So what we do is create portions of the business where certain tasks fall into that group caller. So <laughs> it's easier when you've got multiple people involved, but this is where for solo sort of preneurs or whatever the terminology you like to use. <laughs> but the importance there is you're going to identify where your hires need to be at that point in time, right? So when you're creating yeah. these silos of tasks that need to be created, whether it's operations, finance, uh, marketing, sales, right? And every business is going to have their own little twist to that because there's key tasks that different businesses do. But have your day-to-days fall into a category, Mm. At that point in time, you can actually sit back and go, what's taking me the longest time? It could be an operations thing, right? It could be pickpacking for whatever reason. And at that point in time, it's like, oh, that, is that bringing the business value? It's like, oh, not really. You're just working in the business at that point in time. That's yeah. where your hire goes and you start ticking these tasks off. Business, okay. With sort of co-founders and multiple people in the business, it's easy because you've got different people that are focusing on different things. It's not two people focusing on the same task. So by splitting it up and sort of having key personnel looking after certain components, you're almost doing double, triple, quadruple the amount of work in the same period of time. There is only one way you're going to go with a process like that. That's forward. I like it. Um, It was really, that really only dawned on me this year as well, this whole divide and conquer thing, because uh, like I think if you're in your business, uh, and you only have really junior people or really people that are inexperienced, you can't really do that as easily because you can't be like, here's the task, see you later, because they want feedback, fair enough. Um, but it goes back to your point earlier on, like where you're like, if you hire someone that's senior, it might cost you more up front. But you can be like, listen, I'm going to do this thing uh, over here and you're going to do that thing and that's your responsibility. Let's check in. Let's catch up once a week. Let's put a recurring reminder in there, a, ca- a meeting in there, and let's catch up. Let's check in. But 
Uh, it also makes them feel good. It makes them have autonomy um, and grow. Uh, we, we spoke off air earlier today about uh, offshoring. We could probably do another episode on that. We've been mm. discovering that this year. That's probably one of the things that should have been on our list because yeah. all of us have been completely blown away by that. And when I say all of us, I mean the three of us. Um, and we have yes. so many we had so many people write in after we did that offshoring episode. So we'll do that again um, early next year. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that was just such a big thing. And to touch on what you were just saying before, yeah, to touch on one of the comments you said, which is sort of junior versus high level, I wish Jordan was in on it because he would actually know the person and the full context of what I'm trying to say. Um, and it was, it, it is like a successful sort of business owner. I'm pretty sure he's American based and um, also runs a podcast. It's, it's in my brain somewhere, but I'm not going to be able to quote it. But they will only hire high level first, regardless of the capital up front. And the goal there is to find your key person and build the team around them. Uh, right, okay. Find the experts and build your team around the experts. So it's always going to benefit your business to go top level first and build your team down. Like it. Yeah. Like it. Makes so much sense. Um so my one is uh, something that we covered not too long ago on the Australian Business Podcast, which was with Navar Trosselu, who was the founder of Navexa. For those of you that remember this episode, this was the conversation that we had just before Christmas where we spoke about um, things like pricing your products and we talked about how he's built this software platform to help people track their investing and their property and that sort of stuff for tax reasons. Now, um, Navar said to us in that episode, he gave us a very, very, very clear framework for how to price your products and how to survey your audience to price the products. And it was wonderful how he would step through these four questions you have to ask every customer uh, in this survey and then a couple others, max def questions. And basically what you do is you get their responses to these questions. So you might survey 50 of of your customers or whatever. And then what he said, it's the beautiful thing because from that moment on, once you've done the numbers, you know exactly what your audience is willing to pay. But the key thing is you're not overpricing or underpricing. You're at the level that they're at. So your conversions are dramatically better than they were previously. So um, we did an episode with Navar from Navexa in December 2023. Go and check it out. If you have any issues around pricing your products and you want to go and you want to be a better business owner in 2024, check it out. Cool, man. That's mine. A couple more to go. Next one, letting go. In order to grow, you need to let go of things in your business. And I think that, again, goes down to the last point I made, which is hiring, you know, key personnel because that will actually allow you to step away because you're right, hiring a junior, you're still mm. very hands-on. Part of your job is training. That's, that's yeah. your new role. So instead of freeing up time, you've actually – almost created an extra task, which is training someone else to get to a certain level. So letting go is super important because that's the only way you're going to move forward. Unless you're working on the business and its growth, lead generation, service delivery, customer service, um, you know, experiences, unless you're somehow improving what you're doing, you're not going to move forward. Couldn't agree more. And letting go is one of those things where you unlock so much growth in your business. Mm-hmm. So I've got two more. You've got one more. So I think actually we're going to take it to 24. 
That's okay. Um, so, uh, so the thing that you mentioned before about co-founders dividing and conquering, this is more of an interesting thing. So again, I'll reference the Nick Crocker episode from the beginning of 2023. Uh, but then one of the most recent episodes we did was with Shane Parrish, who's an international best-selling author, uh, who's the former spy, if you guys remember that. Uh, episode we did. Um, and in the Nick Crocker episode, he talked about the elephants group. It's this blog post that he wrote years ago about three or four of his friends that uh, were all at a similar stage of life. And he used to catch up with them once every quarter. They used to go and hire an Airbnb. And these are the four or five people in Nick's life that he could share his most intimate details with, his bank statement, his like struggles with his relationships, his business goals. And they would just be open and honest with that feedback. So he called it the elephants. Um, but the idea is that you just generally find people that you can connect with. Now, we are, uh, fortunately, in 2024, we are launching a community uh, initiative where you can get involved with us uh, and, and find people that may fit that bill. Uh, but even if you don't have anyone in your life or you're not part of one of those communities, what you can do is what Shane said which is build a personal board of directors. So a board of directors sits on a company and they make decisions based on the strategy of the company. Um, but in a personal board of directors, you don't even need to own, know the person. So you could say, you know, if I want to be, um, I don't know, a better marketer, what you would imagine is you would imagine that you're presenting your marketing strategy to Seth Godin or Elon Musk or one of these fantastic marketing geniuses you would imagine, you'd just imagine to yourself, well, what would Elon Musk do in this situation? And you don't have to know them, but you know enough about him in this instance to know that what I'm saying he would never do because it wouldn't be good enough. And so you can hold yourself accountable to this fake board of directors and give yourself that sense of, you know what, I'm getting to that standard and I'm going to keep that standard really high. So that would be the personal board of directors or elephants if you have someone that you can share these types of things with. Cool. All right, one more each, mate. Call a spade a spade. Don't put off hard conversations. Like it. I think it's self-explanatory. I think the longer you dwell, the bigger mm. things get, the more they snowball. And if in a hard conversation with a very low impact can all of a sudden turn into delays, 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 and a big conversation more about the the way you put it off and the impacts that it had over a period of time than the initial problem that you had at the very beginning. Um, a lot of the times the hard conversations are not even that hard. That's personal. Oh, yeah. Yeah, a lot of people that you, you, you uh, as a business owner, you're up at night, you're thinking, oh, my God, I need to tell that person I'm going to have to let go of them and blah, blah, blah. You walk in there and then they're like, yeah. Fair enough. Like, yeah, I'll fair say, enough. Yeah, I knew it was coming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's that simple. <laughs> they're not that hard. It's, it's hard in your head. It's not hard in practicality yeah and one of the things you want to do before you do that is obviously if you're unsure of the hr rules go and get some feedback yeah but um like uh in many instances it's just being prepared is the best thing so yeah. if you think in terms of like reaction like consequences of your decision so like in the case of letting go of someone or letting go of a business partner or like in a transaction or something is knowing what they're incentivized to do knowing what they're likely to do if you say this then what happens if you say that then what happens the more of that thinking you can do in advance and write it down otherwise you'll go crazy mm the easier that conversation is going to be. And a lot of the times you get into them and you don't even need all those if this, then that kind of stuff. You just, they're just like, yeah, no worries. I agree. Cool. Like it. Um, 
don't put off the hard conversations. That's definitely a lesson for me from 2023 as well. My final thing is knowing your customer journey. Uh, I mentioned before about how you can use automation and all these tools to improve your conversions and get more money in the door. Uh, one of the things that happened this year is that I went back and I reviewed all of our uh, automations that I didn't document. Like they were just kind of sitting there in our, we use Drip for our CRM and automation. And um, I realized there was all this crap that was still running from like three years ago. It was marketing products that we didn't even have anymore. Um, and so just going back and experiencing the customer journey through their eyes, reviewing what you've done over the past year or two years, you probably, once again, simplicity rules, just cut that stuff out, make, refine your business, know what they're experiencing and how they're experiencing your business. In the next episode, I'm going to explain to you how to sell something. And it relates to this point of like how you actually make someone feel. And, and if you're a business owner, like, I don't know, Daniel, if you've had this, but like you go to a business owner, you're like, so what it is, what is it that you do? And you're like, oh, well, I just do this and this and that and this and this and that. And then you're like, how would I know that if I'm a customer? Like, you, have you ever told me that? Like, yeah. People just don't see the world and the business through your eyes. So put yourself in their shoes. What do they see when they look at your business? How would they describe it when you're not in the room? Yeah. Um, I think that's, that's a really good one. Yeah, I, I completely agree because you, your customers need to know the value you bring because a lot of the times, unless you're playing a game where you're price sensitive and you're simply playing a numbers game, a lot of it all comes back down to value. And hmm. especially if you're selling higher-end products, Unless you can relay that value, your leads are not going to be coming in. Your conversions are going to stay low. Mm, absolutely. Um, well, this has been heaps of fun. We actually gave folks 24 things. Um, that we, value. Uh, business value for money. Value, value yeah. as you were saying. <laughs> um, we've, we've conveyed it pretty well. But um, every, uh, you know, twice a week on the Australian Business Podcast, we go live and we talk about different concepts. We interview founders, business owners, whatever. Um, one of the things that uh, everyone should keep in mind if they're listening to this is in summer, we're going to be bringing a whole raft of uh, new topics uh, in our January summer series. So these will be monologues, meaning that each of us, all three of us will be doing our own individual episodes. And it's going to be a heap of fun because it rolls into one big program that you can share with a friend, a family member, your colleagues, your managers, anyone that's related or interested in business or needs help you should share these episodes with because that's who we're designing it for. Uh, and then we've got some big news to announce at the end of January, 2024. Uh, so stay tuned for that. But we'll be back in the next episode, Daniel. We're going to be talking about 24 things uh, to focus on in 2024. So this is a bit of a retrospective check-in. The next one's going to be a bit of fun for tips and tricks and hacks and all those types of things, which we know you love. Well, mate, Great Space Advisory in Sydney, working with customers all around the country. I really appreciate you taking the time to join me, mate. Thanks, Owen. Always a pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Australian Business Podcast. I think this series is best served with my free business course on RASC Education. My free course includes all of my notes, templates, employment guides, legal documents, marketing strategies, software recommendation, and ideas for starting and running a small business. Finally, if this podcast or the course helps you, I only ask that you please help me by sharing it with one friend, colleague, or family member who runs a business. Thanks for listening.